I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town Podcast. In episode 122 of the Food About Town Podcast, my good friend Chris Clemens from ExploringUpstate.com came over to the studio to talk about our recent road trip we took down Route 31 and ending up in Lewiston all the way from Rochester. We had a great time, so we talked through all the different stops along the way. You can see all the different places we ended up in the, on the post on Food About Town. And also, you should definitely go to exploringupstate.com and check out his entire post that documents our real, our just, just a great time hanging out on the western side of western New York. So take a look at exploringupstate.com. Enjoy my conversation with Chris Clemens from Exploring Upstate. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it out on social media. You can uh, grab me, Food About Town, on Facebook, Food About Town on Twitter now, or at Stormy, at Stormy on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And enjoy our discussion of our Route 31 road trip. Thanks for listening. and dreary day in the early stages of winter two rochesterians took a drive from rochester all the way to lewiston these are their stories i need to put in the law and order um law and order noise after the music that. yeah i have to find it. i don't know where i can find it. i'll find it somewhere so hi everybody um chris clemens is here to talk about a little road trip we took last weekend i'm assuming it'll be last weekend we're putting that out this week yeah yeah, yeah, totally. Not that everybody knows when we went took our trip, but you know, now now they know. They totally know. Yeah, yeah. it was it was uh, New Year's Eve Eve. New Year's Eve Eve. That was the official day. So my good buddy Chris Clemens and I from ExploringUpstate.com, we took a road trip from Rochester to Lewiston on Route Thirty One. Route Thirty One. Uh, route. Bo- yeah, both. What What do you say? I say route. You say route. Yeah, but route. Maybe it depends on the other words that I'm using in the sentence. Yeah. So I'm, if I were going to use the word, like, carrot is a root vegetable that you can pick on Route 31, I don't know if I would do it that way. You might change it to route. Yeah. Yeah, just to, just to be different. Right. Right. So, yeah, this was kind of a spur of the moment. I'd say we had, what, one day of planning to go do this? <laughs> it, was very, it was very spur of the moment. So it was Friday, December 28th. Yep. We had lunch. That's and you, right. And you said, uh, hey, man, it's been a while since we've uh, gone to do anything. And I said, yeah, how about Sunday? Yeah. Or actually, I think we said, how about the weekend? And then text kind of went back and forth, and it ended up being Sunday. Yeah. But so yeah, we didn't have a lot of time to throw together an itinerary. No, it was it was a little bit slapdash, but I think it... We ended up doing something that one I I had never done this kind this exact uh, route before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's that's when you'd say route instead of route. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so I hadn't I hadn't made this trip before, and it was uh, we did a full day. We did a pretty full day, I think. Oh, that was totally a full day. We left at nine a.m. Yeah, and we, we got back a little before eight ish. Yeah, about eight ish. Yeah, I think we got back to your place. That's plenty full. Yeah. So yeah, it was Sunday morning. I went and picked up Chris at his place at nine o'clock, and we right on the nose. Yeah, I was early even. <laughs> I was early just for you, Chris. If it were anybody else, I would have been five minutes late. But for you, I made sure I was on time. To set the tone for the day. Yeah. Don't don't tick off, Chris. Don't be don't be even thirty seconds late. I think I think we had a pretty con- considering we had no planning. Our success rate was very good. Yeah. So I mean, ultimately, the goal really was to have a great day of exploring new places. Absolutely. Um, and and I think we, I mean, we mapped out some uh, some things that we wanted to hit. Um, but I also think that we left open some creative detour time, which meant it didn't matter what happened, it was going to be a success. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this again, this, this reminds of our prior Utica trips we made. We did uh, two different trips out to Utica, one to check out the classic Italian uh, joints in Utica and some of that, you know, some of that history around that. And then we also did a uh, refugee immigrant uh, trip out there, which we documented on the podcast and a couple posts on yep. uh, exploring upstate. If people want to go check those out, those are out there. Those are out there, and this was kind of reminiscent of that. It wasn't quite as themed, I would say, but we, you know, we did the whole Route 31 thing because it kind of took us through a lot of towns from here all the way out to the Niagara River. Yeah, and multiple counties. Multiple counties. Maybe we hit three different counties. Um, which we didn't do. I mean, with with Utica in well, we we definitely did some driving, but um, yeah. it was all right in Utica. Right. Um, we hit the northern section of Western New York in one day. Yeah, and bounced to you know we were in. I think we had stops in what four different four or five different towns. Uh, one, two, three, five. Yeah, five towns. Yeah, six if you'll count Rochester. If you count Rochester, which hey, we started we started Ugly Duck in the morning. We did. So the Ugly Duck isn't perfectly Route 31. Um, no. Here in Rochester, Route 31. Um, Route 31 has had a long and trying past. Um, so it's kind of changed and been rerouted in a bunch of cases. But here in Rochester, um, Route 31, most people I think know it on the west side to be Lyle Avenue and Gates. Um, and when it hits West Broad, it sort of drops down below, um, nearer um, to the canal, Um and then pops back up into Brighton and heads over past like um, like Pittsford Wegmans and then continues for like a hundred miles. Yeah, so it's it's definitely it's a little bit different through the city, but you don't think of it because it is Monroe Ave going through all the way out, right? But that's not where we started. We started Ugly Duck because there wasn't there wasn't an obvious place to start on Route Thirty One at least. Since we were both in need of coffee first thing in the morning. Uh, I was going to say, we needed caffeine. We needed something that we could rely on, that we knew we both liked, and to set the tone for the day. So we started a little bit off Route 31, but just a couple miles. Yeah, just a couple miles. And then we, you know, we, I, know, I got my what espresso. What did you have? I got espresso. It was from Bolt, uh, Bolt Coffee. Oh, that's right. Which I think was Providence, Rhode Island. Yep. Um, and then you had your Cortado. That's my go-to. I love, I love a Cortado. It's not it's not so heavy like a latte, um, but uh, also it's not exactly an, an espresso. There's a little bit of calorie in there. 
little bit to lighten it up. Smoothing it out a little bit. It is. But it's surprising because, um, unfortunately, I've chosen a drink that a lot of people don't have. And um, if they don't have it, in many cases, they've never even heard of it. So when I go to a, a coffee shop, there was one coffee shop in, I won't call them out by name, but it was in Syracuse. Nice. And uh, and I'm like, oh, I, I, I have a tendency to not even look at the board anymore. I'll just say I'll have a Cortado. And she's like, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, um, all right. <laughs> like, so, but she like came back immediately and said, if you tell me what it is, I'll make it. Yeah. And I thought, do I want to explain to someone how to make something and then potentially have it just be terrible if she's never even heard of it before? Well, I mean, it's really just, if I remember correctly, ratio wise, isn't it just half as much milk as a cappuccino? Yeah, it's essentially um, espresso to milk one to one. Yeah, because a cappuccino is like two to one. Yeah, that sounds right. Then a latte is three to one, if right. I, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah. Or maybe it's even more, depending on where you go. Um, but yeah, it's. But it's, when your ratio is that um, balanced, it doesn't take much to get thrown off. Yeah, for sure. Then you're getting to what I'm drinking, which is just espresso. And then <laughs> what kind of deviant and coffee nerd will you be? No, 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 no. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's deviant. I would say that's straight up um, the way to go. But if I'm starting the day like the day that we did, I need just a little bit of calories in me. Yeah, because we didn't, we didn't get to food until we got, you know, we got off the 490 in Spencerport in the, to that new, to their new exit, which is really nice. It is nice. That 53131 thing over there. Uh, much better than the old one. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You just shoot straight off and go, and you don't have to do these little jogs and weird things. And we shot pretty much directly to Albion. Yeah. Is where we ended up first. We kind of skipped over Brackport. Right. Sorry to all the Brack portions. There, I mean, there's a lot of 31 that we technically skipped. I mean, we, we, we skipped Gates. We skipped Spencerport, Brockport. Sounds I mean, like was, we've got we've got more to do at some point. <laughs> it's. I mean, if we did everything on 31, first of all, 31 is almost. It's just like a few feet short of 209 miles. Um, it sound- goes. It goes from Niagara Falls into Vernon, uh, into Vernon Center. Um, so if we hit everything, that's like that, that's that's a blog only about Route Thirty One. Well, I don't one. I don't think we could do that in one day. No, I think that might be a bit much. No, since this was eleven hours. Yeah, ish. Yeah, we did eleven hours, and I think that was you know like I said, we, that was a full day. Yep. Um, and where we did end up eating first was in Albion at a Mexican grocery store, which, of course, made me very happy. This is the kind of place I love to eat in the morning. And when I was looking through things to hit in Albion and I saw Lorenzo's Mexican products, I thought, Chris is going to dig this. Oh, and indeed I did. Yeah. So Lorenzo's also has a location in Brockport. Um, it's near one of the bridges. What? What would yeah, you it's define? right next to the canal. Next, right next to the canal. Yeah, Main Street. It's kind of like a Main Street. Is that the main Main Street area? Yeah, totally. Okay, so yep. it's like Main Street in Brockport, right near the bridge. Yeah, it's like three doors east of the canal. Yeah, it's right near Jimmy Z's and all those places yeah. right there. So there's one location there, but the one in Albion has a taqueria inside, mm-hmm. which is what we ended up eating in the morning, which Chris asked if there were breakfast tacos, meaning were there stuffed with eggs. And I'm like, well, we're eating tacos. <laughs> And it's breakfast time, so we're eating breakfast tacos. 
That Obviously. is the nature of, of, of food, but I, I, I feel like when you say, like, I'm going to have pancakes and eggs, even though it's 6 p.m., you don't say you're having dinner. You say you're having breakfast for dinner. Yeah, I mean, if they had eggs in a taco, we would have gotten it. It sounds like an, good. Like an eggs and chorizo taco or yeah. something like that? Yeah. That would have been delightful. Some peppers. Ooh. Yeah. See? So what we did, what we did end up having was uh, just like a plate of five tacos, yep. and they had... This is all the, it's really taqueria hits, and this is more towards, you know, a traditional style taqueria meats. So they had um, tongue, lengua, they had cabeza, uh, head meat, um, they had barbacoa. El pastor. Um, El pastor, and we also had carnitas. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was just good, simple Mexican street food done relatively well, and Man, I love that the, they had put out four salsas for us, and for you, for, you had one. <laughs> I did. I tried the least spiciest one. I put a little dab on my finger, and that was it. Yeah, uh, the one they I loved their spiciest one, uh, which was a roasted habanero salsa. You did, but man, your face, ooh, right, you, like your neck, right down to like the collar of your shirt was bright red. The lady was laughing at me on she the way was. out. Because I had a I had a healthy dollop of it before I left, because I really wanted healthy to feel dollop. the burn while I was driving. You ate it like with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was delicious. Um, they did a great job. Their flavors on the salsas were great. Um, then these were straight street food tacos. They're not refined. It's not refined Mexican. Um, but it was you know I I really it enjoyed. it. I thought it's a great start to our day. Super basic on like a styrofoam plate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it was really good. Yeah. And so we had five. There were the smaller, um, like you said, like s- street style. It was probably like a four inch, maybe a tortilla. Yeah, thereabouts. Yep. Um, but it was eight bucks for five of them. Yeah. That's pretty damn good. I, I think your quote was, are you sure you're charging us the right amount for these? <laughs> <laughs> Here in Rochester, those five tacos probably would have fetched 14 bucks. Yeah, I'd say thereabouts. Yeah. And they're not huge, but still... Each one had, you know, chopped onion and cilantro, and they gave you lime. They gave you four different salsas to use, and like that's that was great. I I, I loved starting our day on top, that way. chopped radishes. Yeah, it was a good plate. Yeah, a couple couple potatoes, which I I hadn't seen before served with uh, tacos. Yeah, um, I, I don't know the potato thing. Yeah, I, but I was I I wasn't shocked. I guess I just I was happy to eat one. Yeah, yeah. The, I I needed all of those. I, mean, we, I probably should have eaten five by myself because. By the time we got to our next stop, I was I was jonesing for food. Yeah, is that? I mean, we had two and a half tacos, and they're tiny. That um, was around um, a little after ten. Yeah, so our first stop actually. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, as we're as we're driving, uh, you were a little surprised when I said we're turning here. Um, the Medina is on Culvert Road. Um, if you're and that's Culvert Medina, with a T, exactly. Um. So if you're in Medina, it's actually technically just east of Medina, slightly out. It might be Knowlesville, I think, is technically the name of the town that it's in. But mm. uh, when they were building the canal, most um, recently the third version of the canal in the early 1900s, um, they realized that based on the pitch of this particular road, that if they were going to build a bridge, it was going to have to be monstrous, like Grand Island-style bridge um, just for this... <laughs> This little country road over the canal. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing around there. It's a country road for sure. It is. 
So instead, they said, why don't we go under? So that spot, Culvert Road, um, and it's, people say it's Medina, um, is the only spot in the entire state of New York where you can actually drive your car underneath the canal. Which is the kind of thing that if I had known it was there, I never would have turned off the road to go look at it. No? No, I, I don't think I would have because I would have been like, oh, it's time for tacos. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't have turned off and gone and looked at it. But having said that, we did go look at it, and it was really cool. Because you've got me in the car. Yeah. And that's it, exactly the type of thing that I, I think, like, oh, my God, that's right there. I have to go. And I've been to I've driven up and down. I've done it in different seasons. I've been to it many times. Yeah. But for some reason, it doesn't lose um, the magic. No, it's, it was really cool. And the fact that it was constructed in the early 1900s with, you know, these all these, it's a stone, it's a stone tunnel underneath a canal that's, you know, has, you know, millions of gallons of water on top of it and all that weight. And then it's just stone, just mm-hmm. stone holding that tunnel up. And it was really cool. We climbed yeah. up the climbed with the little ridge, looked at the canal, looked at the little uh, informational signpost. Yeah, there's some signage there. Yeah, um, I, I I really enjoyed it. It's a good. It was sort of an engineering, a little engineering feat, um, especially back in the day to create something like that. It was really totally. cool. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it was a good little five minute detour. Yeah, if you if so, if you are recreating our steps on this Route 31, it's probably 30 seconds off Route 31, just north. Yeah, a little just a little turn off, and it was a neat a neat little thing that you just don't think about. You're like, oh, yeah, of course they have bridges under the canal. Who, yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> but the fact that it's the only one, pretty cool. But by the time we finished driving underneath the canal, a couple times you were ready for more food. Yeah. So from there, we ended up. And it, it, it's it's weird. You don't think of the towns as so close together mm-hmm. on this route, but from there to our next stop, which was in Medina, was five minutes away, five, ten minutes away. Yeah. Because we ended up at the right in the heart of Medina. Because mm-hmm. um, that isn't, that's Main Street again, basically, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is that actually Main Street? So Route 31 crosses through, I think Main Street technically goes north and south. Okay, so that's Medina. the that's the perpendicular road there. Right. Um, so we ended up at the Shirt Factory, which is a, I guess it's been around for a long time, yep. but uh, Shirt Factory Cafe, that is. Right. It's been around as that for a long time, but changed owners uh, about a year ago to a couple of um, fellow bloggers who are originally from D.C., and they run the, uh, it's a D.C., in a D.C. minute, blog yep. but they also now own the shirt factory cafe they own it with another couple i think there's two couples yeah um, that's so right four, They're four owners that. technical technically yeah yeah so it's you know apparently both of them are you know medina you know medina uh, natives yep. and came back from dc and now they own this little cafe amongst being full-time uh, workers which i think chris and i both understand doing things on the side and Totally, but I think that speaks to um, their level of passion in wanting to help change the image of the town of Medina. Medina is one of those original canal towns. Um, the, the canal went right through it, and Medina made its name for for being one of the canal towns, just like Albion did, just like all the the ports and the, the you know Gasport, Middleport, Lockport. Um, 
but over the last you know number of decades, um, I, th- I think it's probably gotten a bit sleepy, and there are some younger people who are starting to breathe some life back into um, downtown living, and, uh, and the folks at the Shirk Factory are, are definitely part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Medina is definitely it's turning over that leaf. It's gotten some press recently, you know, mm-hmm. from Buffalo more than Rochester. We don't really talk about Medina much here, even though it's really not that far. It's only an hour right. from here to get out there. Um, not only do they have a fair amount of interesting Mexican food, which I'm sure I've talked about here before, the uh, Monte Alban grocery store in Taqueria. Um, they've got the Mariachi de Oro, which is a Mexican restaurant that has some uh, Oaxacan influences, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Uh, there's a, um, I'd say, a more modern, upscale kind of restaurant called Mile 303, which is, uh, Chef was... Um, I always forget how to say his last name. I think it's like Pecoraro. It's uh, Benji Pecoraro. He um, used to be at uh, Vera Pizzeria in Buffalo, and now he runs Mile 303, which is kind of a modern restaurant in town. Mm-hmm. Um, contemporary American kind of food. Uh, really cool design inside. Um, and, like we were talking about, the Shirt Factory Cafe. So that's where we ended up uh, for our, I don't know, late breakfast. Kind of like Hobbit food. This yeah, is like second br- breakfast. Brunchish. Yeah, second breakfast, lunch-ish yeah. kind of food. And what we were there to taste was um, their uh, toast, so part of their toast menu. So, Which should be out by the time this podcast is live. Yeah, should be, should be out and live. Um, obviously, you know, the, the toast trend sort of came from uh, California and uh, places like Squirrel, which is now obviously um, pushed through L.A., pushed to New York, into just about every major city, San Francisco, where people, where you're getting nice big slices of bread and creatively topped with all sorts of different toppings, whether they be sweet, savory, and the much maligned by the older generation <laughs> avocado toast. <laughs> so if, if anybody, if you hear somebody doing the stereotypical bashing a millennial thing, they'll be like, oh, well, they're spending all their money on avocado toast. They can't afford a mortgage. Lousy kids get off my lawn. Avocados are expensive. They are expensive. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's kind of one of those, um, and it's almost turned into like a slang term just to denigrate millennials, talking about avocado toast, talking about all these kind of things. Probably. Yeah. But just so happens that it's just an open face sandwich, and open face sandwiches are delicious. They are. And so were the ones at the shirt factory. Absolutely. Um, although, so one of the ones that we had, so I, I think what they're planning to do, um, what, what they were explaining was they're going to have like a morning toast menu and an evening toast menu. So we were there for the morning one. And I, I think probably my favorite was the one with the peanut butter and the honey and the oats and the, the blueberries and banana. I think yeah. Banana too. Yeah. Uh, I could have eaten that all day long. It's kind of, kind of a classic combination. I mean, everything there made a lot of sense and it just, Everything worked. It felt like breakfast, but it didn't feel too heavy. The blueberries gave it a little bit of acid to cut through all the other heavy flavors, and it was delicious, and it was well executed. You know, it's weird when we talk about toast as a thing, like being the, you know, the slice of toast. You know, there's other places that do it, um, like Barbantum here in Rochester. Mm -hmm. You can get it some other places as well. We have a toast food truck now. Yeah, that's right. I haven't been to that one yet. Do you know what that one's called, Chris? Uh, toast, toast, something, yeah. toast, toast truck. No, I don't <laughs> actually. I've eaten from it, but I don't remember. I haven't actually eaten from it yet. Um, I know, like on Saturday morning, uh, Flower City Bread does a 
seasonal uh, open face toast um, at the public market. So there's there's places that do it around town. Uh, Fuego Coffee is doing a whole toast menu um, at their new location as well. So it's something you can get here in Rochester. But I do have to say they they did it well out at the shirt factory. And it's a very specific thing when you're toasting bread for for toast toppings yeah it's you can't toast it too much to dry it out you have to make sure it's still a little bit chewy on the inside crunchy on the outside i know we're describing toasting bread now (laughs) but it's it is actually a thing like that's that's a big part of it when you hear people talk about these things it's everything comes down to the details it needs to be able to carry a a heavy topping yeah uh, but not be dried out right yeah and it has to work for something like the uh, peanut butter banana honey blueberry toast we were just talking about and then pivoting over to more savory they had a beet hummus with feta and avocado slices which i like i'm I'm not like a huge beet guy Mm -hmm. i enjoy them by and large but it's not something i'm like oh geez i gotta go for beets i gotta get them tonight give me those beets yeah i think beets are good here and there yeah you know a dash of beet maybe a maybe a beet kvass if i'm drinking some beets Beet juice. I'm okay with the beet juice. Really? Yeah. It's a great, great color in it. It does have a good color. Um, and, and and so did that hummus. Yeah, and that turned it's out really that turned out rich well. magenta. Yeah, it was it was it was a pretty pretty little toast thing. It was. And then we had the classic avocado toast, which Kristen, you know, he's, he's not an avocado guy. I'm not a huge avocado fan. I can I I like a little bit here and there a couple times a year. Um, but, uh, but gua- like guacamole has never really resonated with me. See, I'm, I'm all about that avocado thing. Yeah. I could eat them sma- just smashed with a little salt and lime or whatever, make guacamole all day. Um, slices, I enjoy a slice or, uh, one of the other things I like doing with it is, um, turning it into a salad dressing. A salad dressing? Yeah. You can get it that thin? Oh, absolutely. So you kind of... You end up almost pureeing it. Okay. And I mean, I know this isn't this isn't gonna help my case when it comes to you. <laughs> it's like if you're making like a ranch dressing or something that's essentially a mayonnaise based dressing. Sure. You're using that as your fat base. So you're adding your seasoning to avocado instead of gotcha. you know making a mayonnaise. That makes sense. Makes sense and doesn't help my case with you at all. Yeah, that's all right. I'm not your audience. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Clemens, still an enemy of mayonnaise. No, 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 no. The mayonnaise is the, the enemy. I'm not. You're still an enemy of mayonnaise, though. Eh, that's, they're the enemy. <laughs> you, you, just, you just live in the world and it comes attacking you? Exactly. I'm just, trying, I'm just here trying to mind my own business. Eat some sandwiches. Order off a menu, eat yeah. some sandwiches, and then the mayonnaise shows up. It just shows up. You, you didn't invite it to the party. No, I sure didn't. No, it just shows up. Um, <laughs> so we had our avocado toast which was also good. Um, we had some coffee from, what do you think? They, they were sourcing their coffee from Steamworks, right? Yep. Which yeah. was... Out of Lockport. Which is the next town over, basically. Uh, or, yeah, a couple. Yeah, not the next town, but close enough. A couple. Um, so we had some coffee. And the other thing we tried that I hadn't had before, despite the fact I grew up in Buffalo, was they had recently... Um, they developed a whole cocktail program at the shirt factory. You were talking with Scott. He's um, it's a husband and wife team, and then a um, the wife's brother and his wife. They're the owners, 
But Scott and Alex are the people I had talked to before. Yep. We were talking with Scott for a while about the whole cocktail program. And, man, he's um he's a DIY kind of guy when it comes to cocktails. He's making a lot of his own uh, syrups. He's doing all his own um, doing all his own bases and everything. And what we tried was the Tom and Jerry base, which in Buffalo is a huge thing. I always heard about it as a kid. It's kind of a hot cocktail, I guess, along the lines of an eggnog. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when my family didn't drink when I was a kid at all, so I never had, it wasn't really around me, but you heard about it. And I got to try it for the first time. Something I never would have ordered on my own. No, it doesn't seem like something would be up your alley. Because it's rich. It's got, it's like, like he was saying, it's almost like a cake batter base without flour. Yeah, it's like drinking butter. Yeah, so it's got it's got eggs, it's got milk, it's got butter, it's got nutmeg, mm-hmm. and uh, the way he tops it off is sort of froth froth in the at the espresso machine, and then put brandy in it. And man, I gotta say, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I was. Um, it was fun to watch you be surprised about how much you enjoyed that. Yeah, because um, when something like that happens, I'm like, I. I I have, I can't not talk about it because I like it's it's, it's so just thrown surprising. off guard. Yeah, um, and you had some without any alcohol in it, right? Um, and I think what you came up with was put some espresso in there. I would have loved that as a latte. Um, I, I I really enjoyed the drink um, at the moment. I don't know if I would want one like you know every week. No, certainly um, not. And typically, I don't go for a flavored latte, but I think the espresso would have cut down some of those really sweet flavors, and uh, and would have been a really nice warm flavored espresso drink for the morning. Yeah, I was really impressed and I think what it comes down to is when you make it yourself, you can balance out those flavors really well. You know, you're grating nutmeg fresh, you're doing all those little things. Um and what was also impressive is that the whole you know, your back bar, they designed his own back bar, nice marble uh, bar top mm-hmm. and um nice cocktail menu. He's got a good selection, he's doing a lot of things, really grinding hard at it. So Another great, it's a great place to stop in either for, you know, late afternoon, evening, but swing by Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights when uh, Scott's behind the, behind the stick and uh, working and grab a cocktail. It seems, I, I'm definitely going to swing out and try that out. Yeah. Uh, definitely really impressed talking with him. I hadn't talked with him a lot before. Um, really passionate about the whole cocktail thing, despite he's, you know, he's relatively new to the profession. And as a non-drinker, um, I, I'm impressed by that. What, what I'm really impressed by is the fact that there are some younger people. They're probably close to our, our age, um, 30-somethings. Yeah. Um, which I'm a 30-something for a very, very short amount of time, but I can still currently say that I'm a 30 Use it while you got it, Chris. Yeah. Use it while you got it. Um, that They moved back to this um, town that they were from and really wanted to invest in its future and, uh, and, and bringing people from elsewhere like cities um, like you mentioned they were starting to get some uh, some press from buffalo um, so that's the part that's really impressed me absolutely it's it's really it's the dedication to trying to make something happen not just talking about it actually making something yeah. happen yeah and uh it's hard it's a hard journey uh they they write about it sometimes on their um on their blog it's difficult um doing all that doing you know working full time trying to do something and not just talking um I was impressed, and their their dedication is uh, laudable, and I, I I strive to do you know do as much and do as good as they do. So, um, 
we're, we're definitely worth a trip out. Medina is a great destination. Um, even if you skip everything else, just go to Medina and check out a bunch of stuff. I prefer you don't just skip everything else because <laughs> we made a whole trip of it. We but, did. Oh, I thought you meant skip everything else in Medina. No, no. Like there's some cool stuff. There's the train museum in Medina, and you yep, can do which like, is they, really cool. Yeah, it is. And they do um, like different times of year, like particularly winter, but they'll do a fall one. They'll do train rides, um, so you can do like a little wine tasting train ride. Yeah, um, beautiful so, model train set inside. Huge. Yeah, it's absolutely humongous. impressive. So Medina's um, a cool little town. Yeah, they got Leonard Oaks. They have uh, Mead Works in town. Oh, that's right which is right next door to the shirt factory. Um, lots of stuff to swing by and try out. So highly recommend Medina as a stop along the way through 31. And what I think we'll do is we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about the rest of our day traveling out Route 31 with Chris Clemens from exploringupstate.com. And we'll be right back. Right back. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying this week's episode with Chris Clemens from Exploring Upstate. And uh, to support us during this episode, I'd really love it if you could stop into some of the places that we stopped into. If you happen to be in those areas, you know, stop into the Shirt Factory in Medina or Lighten Boothville out in Middleport. Uh, we really appreciate it. And it's a great way to support the places that treated us so well along the way. So uh, also go to Exploring Upstate to catch the entire written recap of this episode. Uh, we got covered different stuff in here than you covered in there. You covered some of the more historical things there as well. So take a look at Exploring Upstate and support some of the places that treated us so well on our road trip from Rochester all the way to Lewiston. And now back to the rest of the episode. And we're back with Chris Clemens from ExploringUpstate.com talking about our trip down Route 31 on uh, New Year's Eve Eve. Mm-hmm. And where we left off, we had just finished in scenic Medina, New York, at the Shirt Factory Cafe. And our next stop, we uh, bounced out of town towards um, somewhere. I think by the end of, Chris was a little bit frustrated with me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I I wasn't frustrated. Um, No, I wasn't frustrated. Bored, perhaps? Yeah, maybe. Well, I don't even know if that's fair. Oh, I mean, it, it's ready, ready, ready to go to the next spot. Yeah. So where we went next was um, somewhere I've been meaning to go to for a while um, was the uh, Light and Buffel uh, Winery. And I'd met uh, one of the gentlemen from there at a Nickel City Chef event, which was a 10 year uh, run of sort of like Iron Chef events in Buffalo, ran by uh, Krista Gwenisechu, one of my favorite people in and around the whole food and drink scene in Buffalo and really everywhere in Western New York. Uh, She's fantastic. But they were serving wine there, and I really enjoyed it. So I talked to them, um, got them set up on, frankly, a little bit, you know, showing them where you can buy their wine at different places. And I'd been meaning to go out and actually visit the winery. And this turned out to be a great excuse as we're driving down Route 31. It's about a five-minute Five-minute detour off of uh, 31, I think it was. Yeah, just north of 31. So it's um, Middleport. Yeah, this is third, yeah, they're in Middleport. And uh, Leighton Bufo is a um, winery that is defined by their, they do natural fermentation. And as limited intervention as possible, which um, is, can be a little bit controversial sometimes. They Sounds get a like lot, it. They got a lot of different flavors that are generated there. It's, 
certainly not your uh, run-of-the-mill winery where they, you know, you'll add different things, add your sulfur, you'll filter your wine. Um, it tends to just let it sit. Some of the wines have, you know, 13 months on skins. They have ambient yeast. Um, Would it just be sitting considered intervention, though? Uh, it, it's that's that's part of the part of the debate around natural wine is really what is intervention? Sure. Because you're picking it, you're crushing it, you're deciding how many stems go in it. Yeah. Uh, you decide what kind of vessel it sits in. You decide how open it is to the environment. Um, you decide what temperature it sits at. All these things are decisions that are made. Sure. So. I think the the intent is to be as transparent as possible with what you're doing to the wine, um, limiting the amount of inf- intervention. It's not no intervention because if there's no intervention, be sitting on the vines. It wouldn't exist. Right. right. So their intent is to say, hey, we're not adding sulfur. We're not filtering. We're not doing all this stuff. They're even pressing with their own feet. Yeah, he's doing foot press, which is... Um, you know, a classic traditional technique. Old school. Old school. A lot of it is. Um, Centuries old. Yeah. And it's, I, I think the part I really enjoy is that um, we were talking to Zach Klug, who's one of the one of the owners and the head winemaker there. And he's doing what he wants to do with the wine. He's, this is the kind of wine he wants to make. And if you enjoy it, he he's making exactly that. He's only doing what he wants to do, though. He's making natural wine. Um, with the understanding that, you know, it's not maybe the cleanest expression of a grape. So when you taste uh, one of his Rieslings or a Pinot Gris or um, Cabernet Franc, it doesn't, it's not the cleanest expression of what a Cabernet Franc is, but it is very much where it came from. It's using ambient yeast. It's sitting in, you know, uh, his, his containers in his space. And it's it's done the way he wants to do it. Yeah. So one, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time there, and I'm excited to have Zach up to talk on the podcast uh, sometime in 2019. Um, let me show him around Rochester a little bit. Uh, sounds like he spent some time here. Mm-hmm. Uh, grew up here at least a little bit, but show him around some of the places here now, and um, you know, have him talk about natural wine a bit more because I'm I'm relatively new to it. I don't know a ton about it. Uh, more than what I'm rambling about right now. <laughs> <laughs> we learned a lot. So I just want to revisit your opening oh, comment and um, and uh, explain um, why. Uh, I, d- I don't drink alcohol. Correct. And we were there for almost two hours. Yeah, we, um, we did you, a... You tried maybe 15? I'd say 15 ones. or 16. Right around there. Yeah, 15 or 16 bottles. So I do have to say Zach was incredibly cool to talk to. He was. Um, and and it, it definitely made the time go by fast. But I, I was ready to move on to the next thing. Yeah, and we, we did bounce around to a few different topics. We talked about coffee nerdery and um, talked a little bit about you know, why, he, um, why he grows grapes in the Niagara Escarpment. Mm-hmm. Uh, why he why he has his winery there, some of his methods, and like I said, we we're not going to cover all of that now because it's not fair to when Zach's actually here. But uh, he was a great host. Tasted through he was. his different vintages. Um, left out the barrel samples this time because we went through sixteen, and um, <laughs> Chris was ready to go. So we we 
departed. I have I have a hard time, and, and this isn't um, a criticism to Zach because I, I I really um, like him for for the amount of time that that we got to um, hang out. Um, but I have a hard time going to wineries with friends that have nothing for people who don't drink. I know that's it's been a topic that I've uh, that I've touched on many times in the past. Absolutely. Um, so if I'm just standing there with my friends while they're uh, while they're sampling wines, it, it makes for a long. Uh, a long time. Yeah, so we, we cut it off, cut it off where we did, and we'll have. Uh, but I'm very excited that you got to go. Um, absolutely, because, because I think what he's doing, from what I could tell, and from what he shared, what he's doing is incredibly unique. Absolutely, um, he was a super cool guy, and you loved it. I did. So I was happy to be able to uh, to do that on the trip. Yeah, and it's not to say I loved every wine. It's a very different thing. It's not like I say, hey, every one of these was perfect, exactly the way I wanted to taste it, but. What I really enjoyed about it was he made the wines he wanted to make. Um, they're selling well in New York City and Brooklyn. And I, I, I just enjoyed that, hey, we can talk about it. There's a lot to taste. It's so different. Um, yeah, and some, some of them are there what they are. Um, but I enjoyed the experience. I love talking about it. So yeah. we'll definitely do more of that, probably talk more natural wine on the uh, podcast coming up in 2019 when Zach comes up and – when I have some other uh, sommelier buddies back on. So cool. that was cool. Um, so we, we left there about a little after 2 o'clock, I think, and pulled a bottle of wine each out of there. Chris for one of his, uh, for a guest at home, and yeah. uh, me to add to my library downstairs. <laughs> um, <laughs> and at that point, uh, we needed a snack. And bounced into which technically seems to anyone who's going to be reading the story or listening to the story, it seems like we shouldn't need more food, but we were actually hungry. Absolutely, because I don't think we sat down. It was like a full meal. Like when we went for toast, there were three toasts. We split all of those. Yeah, we're splitting all of these, uh, all, all, all of these uh, selections throughout the entire. Yeah, day, Lady so. in the Tramp style, mostly. <laughs> So it's just one piece of piece of toast, and we're chewing towards each other. There's no photos. <laughs> Don't even ask. No, we we have photos of us taking photos. There is that. There's a fair amount of those. Very meta. Yeah, it's kind of what we did. Um, but we we took a little jog off of 31 to uh, outskirts of Lockport. Yep, just south of the village, and I think it's right off of 78. I think is. Now uh, you route. tell me. You know better than so. me. I was just using Google Maps to get me from place to place. <laughs> you actually knew what we were doing. Yeah, a little. Yeah. But Ted's Hot Dogs, it's very hard for me to go into western New York and not stop at a Ted's. So it's, I'm glad you were up for it. Absolutely. I, I mean, I grew up not that far from one of the Ted's in uh, Orchard Park. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, I think it's the original one, actually, uh, over near McKinley, like on 20 in Orchard okay. Park. I think that's one of the originals. Okay. Or one of the older ones, anyways. I remember going there as a kid, but I hadn't been to one in a long time. Oh, you hadn't? No, I hadn't. I didn't realize that. No, so was... when I said, uh, how about a Ted's? You perked right up and you were like, yeah. Absolutely. Because um, they have uh, custom-made Salem's hot dogs, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't know. They actually, that Ted's gets their own formulation of Salem's dogs for them. And which, footlongs. Yeah, which I, I didn't know that's that they'd had custom ones for, yeah. for different people. So that was actually pretty cool information. So one of the other things that sets um, Ted's apart for anyone who's listening and doesn't know is they cook over an open grill inside. Uh, charcoal inside. Yeah. And, man, that makes all the difference. Totally unique. Uh, it's one of the smells of buffalo is, you know, Salem's dogs cooked on charcoal. Mm. 
They had Chevetta's chicken. And Cheerios. Buffalo has a lot of smells. They do. Buffalo is a smell town. <laughs> Buffalo. Smell town. <laughs> smell town. It, it could be a negative if you think about it. But it could. No, in, in, in that case, I mean, there's nothing like driving through different areas of Buffalo, you know, at a fire hall, and you can smell Chevetta's chicken from the road. Yeah. There's, there's no mistaking it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, grilled, um, charcoal grilled Salem's dogs is a, another smell of Buffalo. Anytime I smell it, it just smells like home to me. It's only been two days, but I could totally go for another right now. Oh, it was really nice. Yeah. Um, so we just swung a quick snack. Yeah, it was it was a good it was a good excuse to stop in there because I think we needed something a little bit more substantial after kind of just nibbling around through the morning. Yeah. Um, but Lockport has a bunch of other really cool stuff that's non food related. Yeah. Um, the flight of five is their lock system. Um, the elevation in Lockport um, was such that they couldn't um, build the canal in that spot with just one lock or even two locks or even three locks. They actually had to build five. Hmm. Um, and it was considered by far the most uh, difficult of all the architectural design on the entire canal. Um, today, after they reworked uh, to what we now know as the New York State Barge Canal, um, they don't need five locks, but the original five locks are right there next to the new one. Um, so that's totally something cool to go and check out. Right next to that, they have um, you can do little uh, tours inside the um, the Lockport Caves. Okay, which technically isn't a natural cave; it was sort of a um, like a spillway that was created for the canal. But um, since they don't need the spillway anymore, now it's a cave where they do little tours and. They filmed a lot of Sharknado 2 in those caves. Wow. Huh? The Sharknado 2? How do you like that? Wow. Just yeah. two. No, not, not three. Not the other 47 movies they did. Yeah, not three. No. Not four. No. <laughs> Just two. And certainly not the original, the the true epic Sharknado. No. Yeah. Great movie. But still cool. Yes. No, that is neat. And um, we also went to the, uh, that was in Lockport, right? The... Uh, what I think you called it the the biggest ass bridge in and around these parts. <laughs> I think that is the official term. Yeah, I think that's what it's yeah, called. They call it the big bridge. Um, it, it when it was first built in the er, so there was actually um, a number of different bridges that were built on that spot, but they were all particularly wide when they built this one. Um, I think they finished it in 1914. It was the widest bridge coming in at 389 feet wide, the widest bridge in the entire world. Huh. It isn't anymore. I'd imagine with some of the giant bridges in exactly. around the world now. Uh, but back in 1914, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, it's still pretty impressive. It's actually, you can be on the bridge and have no idea that you're on a bridge. It feels, because much of it's a parking lot, yeah, it's much a- of it is um, the road. Yeah, I was gonna so, say like there's a parking lot on the bridge, which yeah. is like this just it just seems weird. It's humongous. Yeah, it's very odd, but it was it certainly was the biggest bridge in these parts. <laughs> or at least the widest bridge. <laughs> these parts. Yeah. Um so we, we swung by there a little bit. We did. I took pictures of Chris taking pictures. Taking pictures. Which I'm sure you'll see on Exploring Upstate. They'll be out there. With uh, Chris's article about our trip. Mm-hmm. Um and from there we we bounced right out to Lewiston, the final destination, and there wasn't any weird, uh, weird killings like in the movies. So nope. there, there was. This isn't a recreation of the final destination movies. All right, so I no, I used the wrong phrase then. Yeah, the f- final. Yeah, uh, this isn't going to work well. I don't place. think place, final place, final stop on the route. <laughs> 
which so um in fairness to anyone who's listening and um who really knows route 31 is thinking hey man route 31 doesn't go into lewiston it doesn't no it does technically end in niagara falls which i believe it crosses maybe even 104 um, okay right there we took a little bit of liberty with our route 31 or route 31 we did trip um, we stuck on it for most of the drive, and mm-hmm. you, know, you need to massage that a little bit we to get where it. we're going. Um, but we ended up in Lewiston, which right next to Niagara River, mm-hmm. and we st- I think our first stop was actually to go out to the Niagara River, which even though I grew up in Buffalo, I didn't, I didn't go up to the river much or even the falls. No? You know, when you're, when you're a kid, he's like, oh, it's just water falling over a rock. I don't need to go see that. Yeah, well, I think the other part of it is... <laughs> Probably one of the reasons why I do exploring upstate is there's a lot of things that we grow up with in our backyard that we just assume will always be there. So we don't need to rush over and see them right now. When I'm on vacation, I'm in a new city, I'm exploring something new. I think, my God, when's the next time I'm going to be back here? I need to go see that. And I think we don't do that in our own backyard. Um, No, not enough anyways. I agree, not enough, yeah. And this was kind of a good excuse to uh, go even just look at the Niagara River and you forget how impressive it is, it is and how it's it's aggressive, it's um, intimidating mm-hmm. just to see even this area, which is not the most crazy area of the Niagara River by any means, but the swirls and the pools and like, oh, this is, it's it's an intimidating piece of water. There's yeah. no doubt, which was kind of nice. We It's a big-ass river. It is a big-ass river. I'm glad you picked up on the terminology of this podcast. <laughs> um <laughs> So we stopped over at one of the little parking areas, went down, looked at the river from there. But what I thought was even a better look at it was we went over to uh, went over to Art Park, uh, which is the Lewiston Art Park. Yep. And there's a little percussion garden, so we were hitting gongs. It felt very... Um, Bang a gong. It was on, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we stopped over there and got some pictures of the uh, Queenston-Lewiston Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the sun setting in the background. We watched the sun set over Canada. And we did. It felt very, it was a very romantic little <laughs> spot while we were freezing with the wind. It was cold. Yeah. It, it didn't was... feel like it should be cold because it was probably somewhere in the 30s, um, but the wind coming off that river. It was a lot. It felt uh, felt pretty busy. It was busy and cold. Yeah, it was definitely that. But we had a we had a nice little stop in there and... I mean, when the sun was setting, it was it was pretty beautiful. It was. Um, but you got a nice look at the river from there. And by the time we finished, we were ready to get out of the cold again. We were. So we stopped into, uh, ended up stopping into a couple local restaurants in Lewiston. Um, what was the first one? The first one was the Brickyard Pub and Barbecue. That's right. Cause which they was a recommendation um, from some folks on Twitter. Yeah, we had a fair amount of people uh, chimed in about places to stop along the way, and Brickyard was definitely one of them. Um, we stopped at the uh, barbecue side. They yep. also have a brewery right there in town. I'm not sure if the brewery's right there, if it's just called Brewing. I assume they're actually brewing their own beer, but uh, we didn't try any of that. Oh. Uh, we had sort of Buffalo Classics, I yeah, think, in a lot a, of ways. It was a very Western New York menu. Yeah, Absolutely. What what P- did we end up having there? Pizza logs. Pizza logs, very buffalo. It's very hard for me to pass up a good pizza log. Yeah, it was very buffalo kind of thing. We had some uh, dry rub chicken wings that we were smoked. Yeah, so not buffalo style at all. Um, no. They were chicken wings. No, definitely not. Um, good crunch on them. I was surprised at the crunch. They mm-hmm. may have still fried them after they were 
uh, smoked. Right. Uh, but those were really tasty. Uh, dry. There's a lot. It was a lot of dry rub on there, but I do have to say the mix was good, and the wings were cooked properly. Yeah, I agree. Which was nice. A uh, little cup of chili. Little cup of chili. And we moseyed on down to something that the Chris told me. The final destination. The final destination. Um, and something that Chris told me about, and I, I was a little bit dumbfounded that this was a fact. And you didn't believe me. I didn't until you showed me some and documented even, even proof. The, even the waitresses, uh, when the waitresses at Brickyard came over, I said something, I, I asked some sort of question about it, and they're like, What? I, I think, and really what they meant to say was, are you kidding me? What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, that was probably what they really meant. Yeah. Um, so this was, it did blow my mind a little bit. So, Chris, why don't you tell the people another reason why we went to Lewiston? It is the origin of the cocktail. It's where the phrase cocktail was born. And I want to preface um, the rest of the story by saying, it depends who you talk to. Of course, with with all of these kind of stories, and he says, "Hey, we're the home of this, or we created this." A lot of those stories are apocryphal. You know, it's it's a good marketing term, but there there are some news pieces surrounding this. This wasn't just a like, "Hey, we claim this and we put it on our signs." Yeah, it seemed to be a bit more than that. Uh, history is written by those who are writing it. I mean that that sounds correct. Yeah, I mean people do write history, sure, exactly, yeah. but um. It, I, 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 well, I mean, w- without getting into the uh, really big issues of how history is written, um, the person who's writing it, and I think we talked about this actually on our trip home, um, it's very difficult to remove yourself and your own beliefs out of a story and keep things as factually as possible. So when things get passed along and become folklore, um, they later become fact. Absolutely. Um, and so, it- and, and that's not for me to say that Lewiston is not the original... Um, place of the cocktail. Um, really, what I mean to say is, there are other people who uh, who believe that they are the original place of the cocktail. Yeah, but um, what? So we read a couple news stories while we were there, so we could prove to the waitresses that we were nerds <laughs> and we were there for historical reasons, not just to enjoy food and drink. So the story goes that at Eighth and Center Street, which was a couple blocks up from Brickyard, a couple um, blocks east. Um, that um, in, well, well, so in 1813, um, during the War of 1812, the British um, totally decimated Lewiston. They burned it right to the ground, but they left one place standing, which was Hustler's Tavern. Hustler's Tavern was owned by Catherine Hustler. And <clears throat> at one point, um, the uh, much prior to this burning, um, there was a bunch of um, American soldiers who went to a British camp and basically decimated that, and they brought back a whole bunch of fowl and poultry and presented those birds to Catherine, and she created an, an amazing feast and took one of those rooster tails and dropped it into a gin drink, and someone yelled, cocktail! And f- supposedly from that point on, the phrase cocktail was born. But so I, I mentioned sort of telling the story out of order like yeah. I often do. But of in course. 1813, um, when the British burned down Lewiston, supposedly even the British loved Hustler's Tavern so much that they're like, no, 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 no. Save that one. 
don't burn that down. Everything else, go ahead. Everything else can go, but that place is cool because she had such a uh, reputation, um, even with the enemy. Wow. As being a, a cool place. Hustler's Tavern no longer exists, but there is a historical placard right at the corner of 8th and Center in front of... In front of the place we ended up um, stopping in, which is called uh, Griffon House, or mm-hmm. Griffin House, uh, spelled G-R-I-F-F-O-N House, um, which recently had a... Uh, restaurant review done in the Buffalo News by Andrew Galarno. Their uh, restaurant critic gave it a nice positive review. So if you are in Lewiston, a nice place to go eat. Uh, also uh, Carmelo's Restaurant in town, uh, which we didn't get a chance to go to. They were closed on Sundays. But Lewiston's got a you know, it's a lot of different places to go there. Lewiston's a really cool little place to explore. It is. It's a nice, quaint little main street, but it seems like a lot going on. Even on a Sunday evening, mm-hmm. a lot of places were open. Yeah. Which was nice. Yeah, at that point, so it's probably 6.30, 7 o'clock. Yeah. There were bakeries open. Um, you're not going to find that in too many smaller Main Street um, feeling places. Yeah, it seemed pretty lively. A lot of people were out uh, you know, eating and drinking, and in the Griffin House was pretty populated. It was a pretty busy night there. Yeah. Um, but we went in, which is right at the corner of 8th and Center, to... Um, at least for me, enjoy a enjoy a cocktail at the site of where the cocktail was supposedly invented. The final destination. The final destination. What so, was your cocktail? Uh, it was a um, bourbon and uh, vermouth drink, sort of like a little old-fashioned E. Um, sort of Manhattan-y, sorry. And, uh, you know, nice drink with uh, Basil Hayden bourbon and some Camparo Antica. And the bartender whipped up a, um, a nice... Uh, ginger, beer, mint, and lime. Um, no alcohol cocktail for you. A mocktail, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like the term. That you don't much. like the term mocktail? No, not really. Why not? I don't know. It's it seems, uh, it seems like you're talking down to people. Childish. Yeah, and if if you're gonna make a make a really good drink without alcohol, you can still spend all the time and effort to do so, and there's no reason why it can't be a great experience. So it seems like, just by calling that, it seems like you're you're diminishing what it can be. I can appreciate that. Um, what would you call it? Oh, I have, I have no idea. All right, we're going to have to come up with something. Because um, I admit, I don't love the term mocktail. It, it almost calls attention to the fact that like, I can't drink. I think that's a big part of it, or, too. And, and, and to be more fair, I, I choose not to drink, but right. it feels like, oh, you, you, you can't have alcohol. <laughs> you're mocking you. Right. Yeah, it's, it just doesn't seem like the right term for it. But what she came up with was really, really tasty. I yeah. loved the fresh mint uh, in that ginger beer with the lime. Yeah, it turned out really nice. And um, just as a quick note, if you go to just about any reputable um, cocktail bar in Rochester, you will get a good drink without alcohol in it. And nobody ever looks down at people for ordering something like that. Yeah. So it's a... Um, there's always something out there for everybody, so don't never be afraid to ask for what you ask for what you want at a cocktail bar. People are happy to serve you something without alcohol that'll taste delicious. Um, it's it's sometimes tough to know what you want. Yeah, um, there have been times when I've gone, like I think I went to the Cub Room one time sure. and said, "Hey, do you feel like being creative?" And she gave me a really funny look. Uh. Um, but um, she goes, "Yeah," and I said, oh, "I like ginger." Make me something without alcohol, and yeah. she came up with something that was uh, that was really cool. Absolutely. Um, so sometimes I don't always know what I want, but I'm happy to let someone be creative and do their thing. And I think um, bartenders who um, 
consider themselves as artists um, are into that. Yeah, and this was this was a great stop, man. Uh, we had some really nice plush seating at the at the Griffin House. We had some big chairs next to a fireplace. It's a nice little lounge. Yeah, very comfortable. Um, and a place I'd be happy to revisit um, when we were in a in a different in a different mood for dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted something a little bit more um, simple, and their their menus a little bit more creative. Yeah. So we ended up with uh, at the the Brickyard. Brickyard. Yeah. Brickyard. Yeah, for for our other food, but went in there for a cocktail, and then kind of uh, we drove back home. Had some lively debate on the way back. We did. I did not expect to argue about religion the whole way home. And we're not going to argue about religion here on the podcast. <laughs> not but a good idea. We, we did have some. We had some lively lively discussion, which it's one of the reasons I really enjoy going on these trips with you, is that we always end up talking about something different because. Yeah, we should probably say that we weren't really arguing. No. We were, we were having a, a, a discussion. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing, like, this is why road trips can be a lot of fun, is you just get a chance to spend time with somebody else and really die, you know, you have an excuse to talk about different things, because otherwise you're, you know, just listening to music or whatever, but th- that's the stuff I enjoy, is you get to really spend time with somebody maybe you don't get to spend as much time with as you um, you would otherwise. Yeah, so we actually, um, since you mentioned that, we spent, like, like you said earlier, almost 11 hours. There wasn't a single note of music or a podcast played that whole time. Yeah. We talked the whole time to each other. Yeah, pretty much. Holy crap. Right? It's a, It was a lot. <laughs> but I... <laughs> it, it's a lot of Chris and Chris. Um, but I do have to say, I, I, I always enjoy when we get the chance to do these kind of experiences. Totally. And now that we've done 31 all the way out to the Niagara River, mostly in 31. Mostly. Um, you know, might might be an excuse to do some 31 on the other side of oh, town. Oh, you're ready to go east? I think we might have to. We might even have to break that up a little bit. Yeah. Because um, 31, I mean, Rochester is in the middle, but it's just slightly to the left of middle. Yeah. Um, so you got just over 100 miles that you'd have to do. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot of stops. So you've got Palmyra, um, you've got Newark, all the way into Syracuse, beyond Syracuse. Into See, Palmyra, we might have Oneida. to... Not that we want to talk religion too much, but it is the last year of the um, last year of the. Uh, it might be two years. Is I think it two tw- years? I think twenty twenty was the year that they decided would be the last Hilkamora pageant. Yeah, was that I what went, you were going to say? Is that yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It sounds like the kind of thing that like just a swing by. Oh, you should I, have you never done the Hilkamora? No, pageant? Carrie and I went once. Okay, um, which was which was it was very interesting. It is, but it's the kind of thing like if we made a whole thing of it and just swing by there and do other yeah. stuff. I can make a whole thing out of this, do another 31 towards Syracuse kind of deal. Let's plan it. I like it. So why don't you throw your plugs out there once again, sir? Uh, my plugs, uh, you can uh, read about this entire day if you... Um, didn't get enough of us yeah, rambling about it. Yeah, if you didn't get enough it. to us uh, talking about <laughs> it at exploringupstate.com. And you can find me on Instagram at EXPLRUpstate. Uh, it's the same on Twitter. Yep. And Exploring Upstate on Facebook. Yeah, and you can find me... Um, Food About Town on uh, Facebook, and uh, it's going to be Food About Town on Twitter now as well. Oh. Um, I can't get Food About Town on Instagram. Some guy in England has it, and it's really what? bugging me. It's bugging me. He won't He won't give it to me. He posted once. Have you asked him? Yeah. I DM'd the guy. I, I followed him, and I DM'd <laughs> him. He won't, he won't <laughs> give it to me. No, he hasn't responded, so okay. I'll give him that. So he may not have ever seen it because he doesn't use his Instagram. That sucks. So unless I get a 
copyright. I have no way of getting that. Okay. So it's still going to be Sturmy on Instagram, but Food About Town on Facebook and Twitter moving forward. Cool. So um, happy new year to you, sir. This hey, what, happy new year to you, man. This was a great time, and I'm looking forward to the next time we get to a uh, road trip around upstate New York. Totally. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and see you next time on the Food About Town podcast. Bye-bye. Well, that's the end of episode 122 of the Food About Town podcast with Chris Clements from Exploring Upstate. Thanks again to Chris, and we had a great time on our road trip. And just a little trivia fact, every time Chris comes on the podcast, uh, he's a big fan of the Grateful Dead, and I go back and find some sort of live track recorded in Rochester that may apply to the episode, or just one that sounds good, because a lot of them are very old. So, this week's uh, the song in this week's episode is from 1970, uh, November 20th, 1970, recorded at the Palestra at the University of Rochester, and the song is called Truckin'. So uh, I hope that's a little bit of an interesting tidbit. And speaking of music, thanks to Donnie Clutterbuck and his bartending buddies for the music used on the intro, outro, and the little read in between our sections. So... Now we'll leave you with a little bit of tunes to close out the episode.